Welcome to the Epic Podcast Miniseries in anticipation of the upcoming 2022 Epic Conference in Amsterdam from October 9th through the 12th. I'm your host, Matt Arts, and in this miniseries, we will explore the conference theme of resilience and other salient questions about the practice of ethnography and what it means to build a community. I'll be joined by guests from around the world who are either part of the conference committee or presenters. Hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the Epic 2022 Conference Mini Podcast. Uh, I'm Matt Arts. I'm here today with three committee members of the Epic team who we'll meet in just a moment. Uh, and this podcast is anticipation, again, of the upcoming conference, which the main program dates are October 9th through 12th, and it's being held in Amsterdam. The theme is resilience, which we'll just briefly touch on today. And so I'm here with Hilly Renatova. Uh, Lubava Shatoykahan and Rama Venelakanti. Apologies if I if I didn't pronounce any of those right, having just uh, learned some of those. But uh, thank you all for joining. Uh, Hilly, would you mind maybe by starting and introducing yourself and how you got involved with the Epic Committee? Yeah, for sure. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for inviting me. I'm Hilly. I'm based in beautiful Helsinki by the sea in Finland. I'm an insights lead at Spotify in the growth unit there. Um, I've been in consumer tech for 15 years and before that working on design research in academia and in, uh, in public sector. And I've been involved in the EPIC conference for, for some years now in different roles. And this year I came into it through kind of two, two paths or two avenues. Um, one is I was invited to the steering committee, so I've taken part in some of those discussions that were shaping the conference and, and also from the other side, um, preparing the Spotify sponsor presence uh, into the conference. And Lubava? Hey, thank you, Matt, for inviting. Uh, so as Heli, I'm sitting also in the beautiful city of Helsinki, Finland. What are the chances? It's a pretty small country, but we have uh, this randomized sample. Uh, originally, I'm from Russia, so uh, that also explains uh, how to pronounce name and surname. I work for Jemic, a business consultancy, for nine years now. So I'm a trained anthropologist. Before that, I've been working in academia as a researcher and as a teacher. Uh, as for EPIC, I think that, I think it's been like already a decade. I was following EPIC uh, first as an admirer <laughs> from a side, then I was invited as a presenter. And then at some point I started to contribute more uh, to the community. And I think I find it absolutely fascinated that the fact that basically people who present and who are in the audience are also making the conference. So they are invited to committees, they invited to review papers, to steer uh, the conference, to participate in it, to discuss, to do basically everything, which truly fascinating. So this year I'm truly honored to be a co-chair for the papers. Uh, it's a great honor. It's also a lot of work. So I'm now I feel even more appreciated for all the work that's been done for so many years by all the people involved in this 
not just conference, but community overall besides the conference. Great. And Rama? Hi, Matt. Thank you for having me over. Uh, I'm Rama Venalakanti. I'm a UXGX researcher with Intel Corporation, and I'm based out of Bangalore, India. Mm. I've been with Intel for a little less than two years, and uh, before that, um, I started my career as a qual market researcher and slowly transitioned into client side, working with uh, mobile telephony as one of the first service providers in India. And then I joined HP Research Labs as a user researcher in 2004. And I had a 10-year stint there where I discovered the joy of working on the tech side of uh, things. And uh, that slowly led me into Intel. I, that's where I am. Uh, my first EPIC conference was in 2008 in uh, Copenhagen. And I was so thoroughly fascinated because uh, I was one of the few anthropologists who worked in the industry when I first joined industry. And so to me, to be able to be in a room full of people who are other anthropologists was like mind blowing for me. And uh, since then, I've followed EPIC more in a fan mode, totally in awe. And over the last few years, I've got more involved. Um, last year, I hosted some of the social meets on uh, for the EPIC conference um, on spatial chat. And the uh, last couple of years, I've also been involved with the EPIC talks committee. Now, we are a bunch of us who uh, sort of sit and uh, discuss about what kind of talks we want in EPIC and things like that. This year, I've been involved with the Pecha Kucha reviews. Uh, I was hoping to be there in Amsterdam, but visas, uh, are not coming forth. So very sadly, I'm having to drop out. But uh, I look forward to uh, listening to it all, being a part of it, and being totally inspired all over again. That's epic for me. You know, you've all spent some time you know, being involved in Epic now, either attending or sort of looking from the sides. I'd be curious, um, what have you noticed over the years? Obviously, it's, you know, it's a very a diverse crowd that comes. Um, these days, it's not from any one discipline, which is really great. But have you noticed any changes over the years? Well, I can jump on that. Uh, just aside from how the the audience and the participants are changing, I feel that even the spirit of the conversation uh, is changing a little bit. I think in the very, very beginning when I joined and when Epic was already existing for quite a while, it was still this feeling of like, hey guys, it's an amazing that we are all here. We were kind of pretty fascinated. Like we're rare kinds and usually also people were like just being with species like you made like the whole thing uh, so much exciting and also just like reflecting on who you are and what it means and how to advocate for or explain other people who you are and what you do. And I think that this days, I think we more or less at the stage where you don't really need to explain anyone that much on who you are and what you do and why all this and you don't feel yourself as like super rare species uh, and also the community is evolving there is a uh, way more diverse people with diverse types of training diverse types of background hence it's also like expanding and I think it started to like, there's so many more different various conversations beyond of just like recognition and joy of being who you are. And so that maybe brings up something um, for me. 
you know, that that itself to kind of push through over all these years is in one way, you know, um, maybe an act of resilience. But the theme this year is resilience. And of course, you know, framed out maybe a little different than just that. But um, I'd be curious if anybody would potentially weigh in. Maybe, Hilly, do you want to maybe want to say a few words on the theme and how you view it? Yeah, it's such an interesting one. And I would say like timely. Um Right now, at least the way I look at it, now that we bring the conference after a long pause, uh, we bring it to Europe again. Um, one of the first things that uh, that came to me when, when I started thinking about the theme was was the resilience of the continent. There's a lot of talk about Europe becoming um, basically an outdoor theme park uh, for the rest of the world. Um, and I'm really interested in seeing how now that we bring the conference to Europe, how uh, the professionals in our field, the researchers, uh, how they look at things from the European perspective, sorry, from European perspective, uh, not only from the point of view of our how we apply our profession um, in our fields, in our respective fields, but also I'm interested in seeing what kind of perspectives on Europe, hopefully. Uh, we get through their contributions. And then also, like from a much broader um, broader perspective, something that is uh, quite topical these days is climate change, biodiversity, uh, sustainability. And I'm, I'm really happy to say that that's uh, at, at the core of the theme resilience this year. Uh, it's also very interesting bec- because it brings in this uh, this crossroads of us being coming uh, to it from the human sciences, but then we have to look at uh, an ecosystem that is uh, not only understood from the human perspective, but where you need to consider also non-humans and uh, really take a systemic perspective. And I think this is the strength of of ethnography, um, but also interesting because it's not only uh, from a human perspective, that you you need to understand these changes. I look forward to seeing these them, these two thematics perhaps the most. And uh, I want to come back to that, but maybe just um, as a as an addition or even a you know counter to that, Rama, if I may, you know, impose on you to to weigh in as well. You know, I, I guess the thing about a theme is almost everybody can interpret it their own way, right? A conference almost puts it out from one perspective and then we all get to sort of interpret or reinterpret it. And so, you know, from, you know, from your perspective uh, and the problems maybe that, you know, you're seeing, how do you view the theme? I think from when I've uh, heard the theme or read about it, for me, it's been um, various facets that come into play. One is uh, as an, as a practicing anthropologist in industry uh, and personal resilience that you've had to have over the years to be the only person who's practicing what you do in an organization full of people with various other disciplines and being able to hold your foot and uh, being heard and being uh, sort of accepted. That's one, I think, very personal resilience that comes through. And the other thing is the way we begin to practice what we do in the current situation, given the pandemic. Um, I, for example, 
I work remote. I work with uh, my user groups are in Europe and America. I haven't seen the insides of an Intel office yet. I work completely remote. And for me, I used to be so particular about being on field among the target groups I'm working with, listening to them, feeling them, looking at the atmospheres and everything, you know, it, it meant all of that. Um, so to shift from that to completely remote and still be able to make sense and still be able to add value to what you're doing, um, that shows the kind of resilience I think anthropologists have had to bring to the place they do in, in the organizations and the context that they work in. And also for, I think, for larger corporations to be able to, you know, accept uh, what is um, in a way considered really not core uh, uh, and still be able to respect what we do and the value that we add uh, when there's so much of churn happening in the industry and all of that. I think that is um, talks about the resilience that the practitioners have, have had to bring to forth uh, to be able to still add value and be very, very uh, relevant in the work that we do. So that's the way I look at it. Um, and I think that's something that has come through when we've read, uh, heard so many conversations that are happening around the conference and each one's personal uh, uh, experience of bringing resilience and the way they've practiced it through the uh, pandemic. That's been very, very inspiring actually to listen to for me. And so building off that, um, Umbaba, if I may, I wanna turn this to you. Um, I know you said, you know, you spoke a little bit about the change over the years. Um, we don't necessarily need to be maybe, you know, justifying that, you know, what it is that we're doing. But nonetheless, we there are many of us who are, you know, alone, kind of a single researcher or remote, whatever it may be, as, as Rama was describing. And so tell me, um, you know, what do you view as... Um, the importance of a community of ethnographic practicing and why is that important? Well, that that's a really great question. I mean, for me, and I think that the the notion of community have been overvalued and undervalued at the same time. So it's like everyone wants to be a community. Everyone claims that they are community. And at the same time, because uh, of this, I think that we actually truly don't have a real communities these days simply because like people want it so much. I guess it's not still there. So like having a community is something truly valuable in the situation where sometimes like a bigger, bigger political institutional structures let us down. At the same time, we don't understand that we need a change in scale and scope that is not reachable by the single individuals. So I think there is a community aspect to them, to this. The community, like as an epic community is a separate interesting thing. It's basically for me, it's a community of practice that is slightly different from, let's say, communities of identity or communities of circumstances. And I personally value community of practices over other communities because we come together as practitioners of something, irregardless of the difference in identity we have, in a difference of the context we have, and we just absolutely, totally fascinated by learning and developing and achieving something together. 
And sometimes communities of identities can be really helpful, but sometimes they can be also polarizing. They can create certain bubbles. And I think that a community of practice is not like this. If you actually truly practicing something and you can show it and demonstrate it and be passionate about this, you are in. You cannot be excluded. It's just by the fact. And so like you just showcase your your skills or your desire to acquire certain skills and knowledge. And hence, I, I really, really appreciate this type of communities. Obviously, it's also this community that is a hybrid community that is a note that connects many other communities. Obviously, we have a community as professionals, like in a certain like people work in consultancy, people who are anthropologists, people who are UX researchers, people who are this and that. And this community just like shakes us up a little bit and creates more nodes. And obviously, if we go back to like the whole idea of resilience, I think the more nodes, the more connections we have, the, the stronger we are as like a bigger organism that can adjust. If you lose like this community and disconnect from that community, they might be like a new tentacles that are going to catch you through there. There's this multinodal communities that Epic is where a lot of people are welcome and the only threshold is your your ability to practice, your desire to practice, your aspiration to practice ethnography. Thanks. And um, Ellie, would you have any additional thoughts on that? I do. I have this uh, story just uh, right into the heart of this, like what Liubova, what you said about community of practice from last year, from my my experience of the uh, of the conference last year. I had had like a really busy autumn uh, that took me to things that you sometimes do when working as applied researcher in uh, in business, like. Uh, project management, organizational changes. Uh, it was, of course, like we were still at the heart of the pandemic. It was getting to the later end of the year and just like, you know, general tiredness. Um, and the kind of times, I guess, in any profession, you're kind of asking yourself, like, what got, what got me here in the first place? And then uh, it came the time of the, the conference. Also, I had done a lot of work um, prepping my, my team members and, you know, wonderful researchers from Spotify who, who took part in there. And, and I was listening to some of the talks and I just really stumbled on Monty Badami's and Sophie Goodman's um, talk on using citizen ethnography to deal with youth suicide in Australia. And they told the story how they got the community members into the process and in, into the skill of ethnography uh, so that they could unpack their questions of, um, of belonging, their identity uh, with each other and, and that way start to find solutions to, to their situation and to their challenges. And listen, this talk and also the debate that, that followed about the the roles and uh, and as switching, turning the tables in ethnography, in ethnography, who gets to be an ethnographer? That really kicked me in the backside with just inspiration and and reminded really uh, again uh, why I'm here. Um, sometimes we do we we need this uh, in applied environments, uh, especially because. Um, because we, we get so immersed in these like other drivers of our profession, like the business needs and, 
uh, product needs and process. And, and we, we need this reminder about the human perspective, you know, the messiness of it and, and the contradictions and the aspiration and the ambition, what we can achieve. Rama, I want to want to put the same question to you, but I, I want to do it from the perspective of um, you know, something that we've talked about a little bit offline, but also we kind of alluded to at the outset of the call. You've said that you know you were the only anthropologist, say at at um, Intel, or that you were interacting with at least, and there would be others who are maybe the only sociologist or whatever it may be, whatever discipline. You know, I don't want to, it's not that I want to focus on the, the discipline per se, but for you, what was valuable about coming together at a conference or in a community of all ethnographers, all of those who were, again, practicing in the same way, as opposed to, you know, trying to find the same identity within your organization? That's interesting because uh, I think that's my unifying theme that ties my, ties my career together for me is depending on the organization and the industry I've worked in, I've been a qual market researcher, a market research manager, uh, then uh, I've been labeled as a user researcher, HCI researcher, now I'm called a UXDX researcher. So depending on the uh, organization and uh, the industry, the labels I've had have varied. Uh, it's, I think, only when I joined HP Labs and now at Intel that I'm, I was actually recruited because I was an anthropologist. Uh, and But when I look at my career, then the unifying uh, theme for me or the way I've practiced has been the fact that what I do is driven by me being an ethnographer. And uh, that sort of... Uh, runs through, irrespective of whether I'm called an HCI researcher or a user researcher, UX researcher, doesn't matter. But at heart and the way I practice it, it's uh, ethnography. And uh, that also means that as ethnographers and as we practice it, we really don't have boundaries about what we do. The context defines the work we do. The context defines the uh, uh, the kind of work we do. And uh, sometimes we forget that uh, um, that we are social scientists who are doing a certain uh, or practicing a certain skill. We get so immersed because we are also thinking of all other aspects that impact the user groups that we are working about working with. So sometimes coming uh, so then coming into the conference uh, or this community of ethnographers is such a refresher because it suddenly gives you other perspectives, it gives you other context within which somebody has done something. And it may be a completely unrelated context, but suddenly I find this clicking thing. Oh, that's a wonderful way of looking at it. Maybe the work I'm doing, I'm going to find a different perspective. Oh, that's so wonderful the way they've interpreted it. So it makes me look at my own work in a different manner. So that's what for me the community has been. One is the fact that the fact that the underlying theme that I'm an ethnographer um, carries me through, irrespective of the context I work in, and the fact that different people have used the same skill to interpret different contexts and you know bring about a fresh view. That is very inspiring for me. And that sort of, uh, I guess, a little bit reminds me of uh, Hilia of your response that previously. And that also makes me think like, you know, in your role at Spotify, you have, um, you know, an equal opportunity to facilitate, well, I presume an equal opportunity to facilitate various perspectives, you know, from practitioners of, of different disciplines and really help kind of tie them together into, you know, an insights practice. And maybe... 
if you could maybe you could just comment on you know what you've learned from doing that in maybe your career or you know what you've seen at epic and maybe share with everybody who's listening um you know how we can make the most of that of course many of us as researchers are very interested in what other disciplines have to say but is there any way to kind of really productively um you know harness the power of all of those and bring them together in a community yeah that's a really really interesting question and um it's not always easy but um it really resonated with me what you said rama about um about the like the underlying tissue or like the connective tissue that goes through the different um labels or uh, different like types of ethnographer professions in a sense, um, be it be it called UX or uh, design research or whatever whatever it is called. And to me, it's it's about looking at human behaviors, human thinking, um, human believing, all kinds of like hum- human ways of of doing and being with openness and asking the open question of what's going on here and and i think that's that's what ties us together as a profession and i think that's also the core skill and and the core competence uh, that we take to the other disciplines that we take to the other other professions that we work with um because as we know I think like, you know, most people who listen to this podcast are maybe like from this profession and and they know that it's hard. It's very, very hard. And you also need to train yourself first to to be open about it and to like how to ask that open question in a in a really competent way that that builds up a, a profession. And so then to imagine that you're bringing others who have been trained in a different way and maybe in a much more kind of goal oriented way. Uh, let's say to build, for example, from engineering or design, and I find solutions and drive towards them. Or product management. I come from an R and D uh, environment, so so you you can you can hear it in in like what comes to mind as other disciplines for me here now. Um, or marketing, or business strategy. The kind of the goals and the the underlying structure uh, of these colleagues' thinking often is. Is different. Their goal is different, and and so for us, there is great value in us being able to ask that 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 open question: What's going on here? And 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 pause everyone uh, to that to ask that question and go through different answers, because for sure we will all be bringing different answers to that question to the table, and then going through them and creating something of that that is um that is like a competent and professional argumentation yeah that that's the value that we bring and in there you mentioned you know some of those other professions like product and you know engineering and so obviously the epic community is very broad not just the human sciences as you're saying but some of these other professions uh, many of which you know contribute say in the tech sector and that's that's really wonderful because you know a lot of the uh discipline specific conferences again don't have that sort of diversity but i'm wondering you know if 
Does anybody have any thoughts on what we can do to continue to even broaden that and you know bring this way of thinking to people who you know aren't so clued into ethnography and in a sense that could be you know something that's happening with the conference but it could also be broader you know what do, what do what does anybody think we could do you know to help build the visibility of of ethnography beyond again the conference so i think that in a way, uh, and it's very selfish because I'm a trained ethnographer, anthropologist, to think that like, oh, ethnography is something very, very special and should be practiced across everything. Again, I'm biased, but I think that in, in a certain way, ethnography should be almost a subject in a high school to study because there are certain uh, amazing things uh, that come with ethnography that almost every person should be well equipped because exactly what Haley was saying, it's about openness, it's about reflexivity, it's about uh, trying to understand your interlocutor, the assumptions, the ways of being. And I think that along with the critical thinking, if we all kind of equipped with this part of understanding the world and seeing the world, it might bring us a little bit closer together, or at least it will um, attune us to others better. And it's probably so that the people who are going to make solutions for someone will be better understanding people they're solving for people who are, I don't know, in charge of educating other people will also understand their needs, values, and what drives them uh, towards education and whatnot. So I think that a little bit of this um, skills or set of mind of ethnographer is pretty useful. Uh, on the other hand, obviously, it's it's not easy. I do remember how we studied ethnography back in university. There is never a single textbook. There is never a single book. Uh, you just go there, practice, you, you try out, you share. But I think there's some most important things that stand for ethnography, no matter how you practice it, that is reflexivity, openness, and desire to understand someone's assumptions and desire not to impose your point of view is is very valuable across the board, <laughs> whatever you do. Um, maybe two last questions. I'm wondering, you know, as you've all kind of commented a little bit at the outset of where this has come from and how you've watched it mature, is there anything that you know you're thinking about for the future, right? That you um, that you would like to see happen, you know, any kind of you know continued path, any 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 desires for just topics, who shows up at the conference, and any any future state that you dream about. I think it, it's a really interesting path that you point to there, Matt. Uh, when when you asked about the broadening the audience for for ethnography ethno, ethnography um, uh, ethnographic research and and this kind of conference and I've heard so many stories of uh, from from colleagues and and uh, acquaintances of mine who have switched from a related field of business 
to ethnography and and that uh, doing work through that approach. Um, and they all say, um, I realized what I was the the data that I was looking at, be it like you know numbers or some other type of uh, studies into like human existence that that it wasn't it wasn't telling the full story and and i think there's something really interesting in that where where i think we have interesting uh stories compelling stories to tell and com a compelling point of view to show to the world that can definitely be can, that can reach more people outside of uh, only only this profession that we hold and i think we can do that by by picking new topics new thematics for our, for our conference and reaching out to the people who work on those topics to to basically provide that that type of uh, perspective to the world to people who maybe haven't been so familiar with ethnography before that that's i i would say that you know that's something i'd love to see in the future how can we reach to broader audiences who are who haven't maybe seen ethnographic research so much before. So I'd like to maybe close by just hearing what everybody's really excited for. You know, if there's any one particular thing that you're maybe excited for this year. So Rama, is there anything, any one thing that you're looking forward to at the conf? Well, I know you're, you can't attend in person, but. Uh, I'm not so happy about not being there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to listening to a lot of the uh, topics on resilience itself, uh, because this last two years has been uh, such a change. I mean, it's changed for all of us the world over. So I'm really looking forward to listening to different views, different, uh, uh, you know, papers that some have had a chance to have a glimpse at because we've been on the review committee and things like that. Um, but just the spirit of EPIC that comes together uh, after such a long gap, uh, that's going to be amazing too. Uh, be a part of. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Thanks. And uh, Lubava? Well, the obvious thing is just seeing people in flesh, being in a space that is multidimensional and being able to actually practice ethnography because like you can see, hear, smell, touch. There's so like the richness of it, obviously, then what I'm particularly looking forward to is this new format that is growing quite exponentially over a couple of uh, years now is a wild card. And especially in the situation of uh, co-presence, uh, I think it's a very creative way. There's new types of engagement that is just beyond simply theoretical thinking, but more of like through feelings, emotions, sensations, uh, more creative format. That is something I'm probably particularly excited about this year. And, you, you know, you mentioned sort of the embodied nature of it and that will, for anybody listening, uh, we'll be touching on that in the next episode. But Hilly, um, how about yourself? Uh, very selfishly, I love dance. Um, and and I used to dance, but I'm way out of practice now. But I uh, I noticed that there's a paper that talks about the connection of uh, ballet and ethnography. So that's my number one pick. Won't miss it. Well, I thank you all for taking the time uh, to share your experience, thoughts, uh, you know, with 
the 2022 conference and um, look forward to meeting you all someday in person. Thanks for listening and be sure to check out the Epic website at epicpeople.org and follow, subscribe, and share to help us build some anticipation for this year's conference being held in Amsterdam from October 9th through the 12th. I'm your host, Matt Arts. Until next time.